So I'm Rachel, and you've already met Nick, but I'd like to introduce you as well to our team here today, which is Madeline, Billy, um, Mike, who will join us. Oh, no, he's just joined us here. And um, another gentleman, Barish, who will join us shortly. Um, but before we get started, I'd just like to say a huge thank you to M Pavilion and Hotel Hotel for having us here today. It's such an amazing opportunity to get to speak to an um, engaged group of people like yourselves here in Melbourne and also in Canberra. So we're, we're looking forward to um, the next couple of hours and really excited to share with you. I've, I've learned a lot in the past few months working with Nick on this project and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. So there'll be a few of us milling around to help um, with the process, but for now I'll hand over to Nick to tell you a bit more about the project. Thanks, Rach. Um, so, swarms. I'm really hoping that today isn't just about swarm traps. I'm really hoping that maybe a few of you might have that little spark about beekeeping that you've got really lit up and that you sort of go away from today and um, do lots of reading and lots of research and hopefully become beekeepers. Just one question before we go any further. Is anybody here actually a beekeeper? Okay, there's lots of beekeepers here. Is anyone from Brisbane? How are you? Jack's from B1 Third, and they're our, our beekeeping crew up in Brisbane. So I'm sort of really happy that he's come along today. Um, so, preamble as well. This is all kind of experimental for me. Uh, this is the first sort of uh, season that I've really sort of tried different kinds of designs. So I'm kind of coming on the journey with you guys. I'm hoping that by the beginning of next season, we'll have something like 40 of these guys out in the community and we'll see how we go with, um, with catching some bees. So first of all, what is swarming? Swarming is, has everyone read the Assemble um, articles piece, by the way? I, I'll, I'll quickly go through it. So swarming is basically the natural reproductive process of the beehive. So bees swarm for different reasons, but the one that we're focusing on is that every spring, the colony essentially divides and reproduces itself. And so the queen leaves with 50 to 60% of the bees. Uh, they go and form a little cluster somewhere and from there, scout bees go out to have a look at a new home. So that's the type of swarm that we're really talking about. And in terms of uh, the swarm traps, I think I mentioned that most of this is all based upon um, Professor Thomas D. Seeley's research. The book is just over there. And there's a sort of a little bit of a summary of this in the Assemble Articles piece as well. Basically, the rules kind of are around 40 litres. I don't think it really matters if it's a cube or a cylinder, but that's kind of like the space that they're looking for. A hole between 35 mils and 50 mils from the bottom, uh, sorry, in diameter, and about 50 mils from the bottom. In Australia, in the southern hemisphere, you point the entrance to the north or maybe to the east, depending on your prevailing winds and stuff like that. Um, and you want to kind of keep them high-ish, so, you know, um, 2.5 metres high or under an eave or something like that. So that's what bees are looking for in real estate. And although these all look like different designs, basically 
the, the maths and the dimensions are all the same. You know, all of these boxes are pretty much the same. They're just sort of decorated differently. In summary, that's what we're talking about with swarm traps. And if you guys have questions as we go, you know, please just come up and ask. What I've done here is just given each of the, um, the boxes a squirt with a swarm lure, and you can see how interested the bees are already. The other thing that'll be making them really interested is um, foundation wax. Uh, so <clears throat> you'll see them buzzing around that stuff, but I wouldn't worry too much about um, getting stung. You know, bees aren't aggressive if they've got nothing to defend. Just try not to accidentally squash them. In terms of um, today, you've, we've got four designs here. This one's a really simple design, and that's pretty much straight up out of um, the Thomas D. Seeley textbook on making swarm traps. Now, none of these, I was just talking with Billy. Put your hand up, Billy. Billy's a beekeeper. And by the way, Barish has just arrived in the green shirt. And we were talking about how these um, traps aren't, they don't match the standard hive dimensions, which is a Langstroth hive, but they're pretty close to a Wara hive. And we were talking about how for next season, as we develop this idea, we actually want to put Wara frames in there. So as the bees come in, instead of having to cut out the honeycomb that they'll build on the top, or that you might put in there if you know a beekeeper, we can actually have removable frames. It's a lot of information, but I'm just going to spray it all out there and hopefully you guys will digest it. And as you keep reading, you can um, pick up on what I'm talking about. And just on that point, we wanted today to be a paperless um, workshop. So everything that I'm talking about has got links to resources on our swarmtrap.com.au website. Swarmtrap.com.au. So you can jump up there, look at the APRI code of practice for Australia, the ACT. I think I put Queensland up there in New South Wales. There's books there on beekeeping written by Australians as well as international people. It's always interesting looking at um, different options. There's information there on how to recognise pests and diseases. So if you're setting your swarm trap up next to docks or a big logistics terminal, I would strongly recommend that you become pretty familiar with um, various bee diseases because if Varroa or another uh, sort of bug comes in, it'll be caught I reckon closest to docks and, and places like that. So I strongly encourage you to uh, get familiar with all, all of that sort of stuff. And um, there's links as well to beekeeping courses, bee clubs. If you want to get started as a beekeeper, I strongly recommend that you join a bee club or do a course and see if you can find yourself a mentor. And, um, and the best way to learn beekeeping, I think, is obviously to become a beekeeper, but to read, read, read. The more you read on Instagram or Facebook or wherever wherever you are, the more you'll um, the more you'll learn. So of the three designs, you've got this one, which is your kind of entry entry level one. This will be the easiest one to make. Next to it will be the one that's probably the most complicated. So if you feel like you want a bit of a challenge, this is the one for you. And Mike over there is uh, going to be helping these guys out specifically. This one's actually really easy to um, assemble. And Rachel's going to be looking after this one today. 
And this one's um, pretty much the same as this guy. So while I'm talking, have a little bit of a think about um, you know, which one you'd like to work on. How many groups have we, how many people? Yeah, and just on that, like if you've brought a drill, you're probably going to zip through it pretty quickly. Um, if you haven't brought a drill and you're not used to using a screwdriver, it might take you a bit longer. Um, if you feel as though for whatever reason you're not going to be able to make it today but you'd still like to take one home, they're actually flat packs and we've got some string out the back so you can do that. Or if you're looking at it thinking there's no way I'm going to get that on my bike, once again you can do that. And all I'd encourage uh, you guys to do is help each other as much as you can. If your forearm's getting sore from screwing, you know, just swap over and, uh, and take turns. Yes? Hello. Um, can you have keep these swarm bees in the, in this house or enclosure indefinitely, so you don't need to even bother them, because they're just such beautiful houses that yeah, you could kind of just have a home for them. Great question. Short answer: No. So these are swarm traps. They're not hives. Look, this is what I was talking about with Billy. Like, it'd be interesting if we did actually make them. Um, to the dimensions of a type of hive called a wara hive. Yeah. Well, what uh, technically, technically, I'm meant to say to you that the apiary code of practice requires that every hive has removable frames. So technically, if you had some sort of removable frame system in there then yes, you could do that. But of course, if you were just to set it up and the bees were to move in there, um, they could live in there, yeah, absolutely. But I'd encourage you to um, at least put some frames in to inspect them. And that's what I'm required to say. So that's a code of practice? Yes, there's an apiary code of practice. So jump on swarmtrap.com.au, there's links to it. They're just doing a massive revision of it. So it used to be this big, now it's like this big in Victoria. I don't know what it's like in Brisbane. Same deal. So, um, but yeah, if you're talking about just setting up a pollination hive, you'll get plenty of sympathetic ears over there, but I'm required to tell you that uh, you are meant to have um, removable frames. And it is a swarm trap. So the idea is you can sort of set it up like this and then um, move them out and put the, the trap out again. But you can also build beehives that look like this too. So I've got a couple on Peter Pipo roof, which are pretty much the same visual language if you want to talk design. What else would people want me to just quickly talk about before we get into making them? I guess the reasons why, uh, I guess the reasons why you wouldn't want to keep bees in there and let them do their own thing. I mean, bees will build a home in there, but there's certain reasons why we don't let them build a home in there, I guess, because you can't check them is one of the reasons, and I guess covering disease and pests is one of them. Yeah, definitely. And that's your role as a beekeeper, I think, is to be able to manage that, that, that risk of picking up a disease or a pest, and that's your responsibility. So being able to check them is quite important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. How do you get them, how do you get them out? 
All right, well, that's a really, really good question. So I would encourage everybody who's going to stick one up to grab the number of a beekeeper they know who can come and take them out for you or to do a beekeeping course yourself, which requires buying some gear and, and doing it yourself. What will pretty much happen, so that's the answer, either get up to speed as a beekeeper or call a beekeeper and they'll come and take them out for you. Um, the other thing you might want to do if you're really serious, does everyone actually want to become a beekeeper? Does anybody not want to become a beekeeper? Okay. So if you've got friends who are beekeepers, they'll love it if you call them up and say, hey, I've got a swarm for you. Free bees. Beekeepers love that. Yeah, I reckon that it's like 100, 120 metres up to a kilometre. So if you put, have you had any luck setting swarm traps next to hives and having swarms move into them? Yeah, within 20 metres. Yeah. So, yeah, look, not right next to it. Like as far away as you can sort of practically get it while it's still on your land. So I haven't had much luck catching my guys if I'm, say, in a narrow sort of single-fronted Victorian block down here. But... You know, the other thing is they, it's a complicated decision process they go to, through and sometimes they like it and sometimes they don't. So, um, yeah, you can stick, stick it as far away from your hive as you possibly can. But there's other ways to manage your swarms if you're wanting to stop them from swarming, but that's another conversation. So, just to get back onto that point, yeah, either do a beekeeping course, um, join a club, there's plenty of people and they usually have beginner's corners and they'll be able to talk you through it. Um, or, yeah, get the numbers of some local beekeepers and they can come and get them out for you. Yeah, look, it, it is. I mean, this is sort of an experimental material for me. So this is from a job I did in town a little a few years ago and we pulled this material off. It's called Echo Panel and it's recycled PVC and felt. I would never recommend personally keeping bees inside plastic full time, but they will set up or they may set up inside uh, something like that. Look, the material itself is waterproof and, the, and that's why I put the little bit of the bigger lid on there. So you've got those sort of drip lines coming off and the weather stop up here should um, you know, stop them from moving in there. But it'll be definitely dry enough for bees. And once bees are in there, even for like three or four days, they'll plug up all the gaps of propolis anyway. And once you've caught a swarm and you've got propolis and wax and stuff in there, you take them out, it just becomes even more interesting to other bees. And just in terms of the seasons, we're probably at least, I'd say, two-thirds of the way through... The swarm season down here. Billy, don't you reckon? Two-thirds of the way down here? Yeah. Yeah, so um, you, might have, you might have luck. I've, I've got there's when, when bees build swarm cells, they start out with these things called queen cups. It's like the little foundation. And I've got queen cups in pretty much, I reckon, two-thirds of my hives. But I've noticed in the past few weeks they haven't been drawing them down and making queen cells, but that might change with the next batch of um, warm weather. But you can definitely put them out this season and 
obviously next season. So you've got a little bit of time if you want to kind of get up to speed on beekeeping. And like I said, all those numbers for beekeepers, bee clubs, all that stuff, get onto it. It's on the website. And there's pretty much clubs all the way through Melbourne. And there's bees all the way through Melbourne, apparently. Do these need to be waterproofed? Oh, yeah. Sorry. The, the ply ones, definitely paint them. Paint them on the outside. Don't paint them on the inside. So, but we didn't want to paint them because I figured you guys want to have some input into it. Um, yeah. And this one I think we're keeping. So, but, yeah, you'd want to waterproof the edges on that. I haven't done it yet because that was, once again, offcuts from the floor from Mike's workshop. But the other guys, yeah, don't use enamel paints. Use water-based paints. Paint them, let them go off for like, you know, four or five days before you put it up. And definitely don't paint them on the inside. Let's just say a swarm moves in and it's mounted on a wall two or three or four meters up off the ground. Then, I mean, what do you, what do you do? How do you, what do you do with the bees inside if you want to maybe start a hive and you're ready for it? Well, I'd only stick them up that high if you could really kind of easily access it yourself as well. So you want to make sure that you can safely, wherever you put it, just make sure that it's going to be safe to get up and down. So the first thing you'd want to do is you'd come in at night time or first thing in the morning, like before the sun comes up or after the sun goes down. And you'd want to cover, block this hole up here. Now, it sort of depends on how big the swarm is. Like, if the swarm's massive, they might be kind of bearding out of there. Um, bearding is when they all sort of cluster at the front. But they should be able to fit in there. And a really nice way of blocking it up that I use is to... I go to Clark's Rubber and buy some of that old foam. And you just gently put that in there. And I'm assuming that everyone's going to have their safety gear on. So they're going to have their veil and their gloves. And they're not going to have any skin exposed. And then you'd lift it down. And depending upon which design you've got, this is a little bit more complicated, this one. But these guys, you would take the lid off. And hopefully, you're inspecting your, um, <laughs> uh, hopefully, you haven't let them set up there for like weeks and weeks and weeks. So you haven't got heaps of comb. But if you did have lots of honeycomb in there, what you've got to do is what's called a cutout, which is where you'd uh, literally get a knife and try to cut it out along the top and put it inside frames with rubber bands and then put those into um, your hive. But if you're, if you're looking at it every day and you catch the bees just after they go in there, you can literally... There's bees in there. You could literally sort of sh put your hive on the ground or someplace close to where the swarm is. And you can literally sort of shake them in there. Make sure the, the queen goes in, you'll know, because once she's in there, all the other bees will follow. And uh, you put the lid on and away you go. Is that what you do? Yeah. yeah. So, but, the, you know, it sort of depends upon the situation. And, and I would encourage everyone, once you've actually put them up and you're serious and you're good to go, check on them quite regularly. Or and if you're not checking on them regularly, make sure that you've got an, all your safety gear and all that equipment before you actually, you know, go and um, take them out. Bees are pretty, 
bees are like dogs, right? So some are super mellow and they're really nice to work with and some are a little bit aggressive and that's not a value judgment towards bees, but you know, they're all gonna be different too. So, but you've always gotta be prepared that they're gonna be aggressive and that you should have your safety gear on. Um, so I am a beekeeper and I'm just wondering what your opinion is on this. Um, if you've caught a swarm in one place in your garden and then you put it into a hive, do you then need to move that hive sort of about three k's away so that the bees will reassess their home or do you think you can then put your hive in another spot in your garden or will there then be issues with the bees going back to the, the previous place? That's a great question. There's two ways you can do it. The first one is that method you spoke about where you take them, you know, three, four, five kilometres away overnight and then bring them back. And that's what I've always done. But I know people who swear that you can just move them, lock them up for a day, for a night maybe, make sure they've got enough water inside. And you then, when you open them up, you put something in front of the hive, like a big branch or something, so the bees assume that they've been moved and they do a reorientation flight. But you kind of have to gonna suck it and see with that and also make sure that if you do move them, you put, um, you leave something where, they, where you're taking them away from so they've, you know, any stragglers go back to their original position. What do you do? Do you do the five kilometer rule or just move them? And it depends how long they've been there, right? If it's a new swarm, it's fine to move them. If they've been there for like two weeks or whatever, then you have to think about the complications. Now, what I'm going to do, I think, is... Uh, so we reckon we've got 20, peop 20 people who want... Whoa, whoa, whoa. And does everybody, so how many people actually want to take a swarm trap home today? All right, so that's about 20, okay. Um, there are five of each. So have a think about the one that you wanna work on. And then I think we sort of just have to um, figure it out. We're going to work on the ground. So what we might do is... Um, I, I'm an inexperienced beekeeper and this one looks really awkward to manoeuvre to me. Just, I've, I have caught a swarm before and, you know, it's like I can't imagine... So can you just give us it just in terms of choosing which one? I can't imagine how to work with that one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is definitely one for the brave. <laughs> All right, so, you know, because I wanted to throw in a little bit of a challenge. So I reckon this one would be, you know, you'd probably want to be a bit more experienced, um, not only building it, but also as a, as a beekeeper. It's got an internal lid inside, so you take the external lid off, and then you would, tr then it basically looks like the other guys, and then you take... The, the, the construction of the trees. Totally. 
same system. Inside, there's a little lid, and so and the you know and the bottom of it's here as well. So and the, the reason I got all fruity on that is that historically, humans used to actually give a lot of attention to the houses that bees lived in. Like if you look at some of the traditional hives from Eastern Europe, they're absolutely beautiful. Sometime in the last 150 years or so, which sort of correlated with the invention of the Langstroth hive, which is a design that I keep referring to, where you have the basic box, the kind of culture around um, putting layers of design or meaning or whatever you want to call it under hives has disappeared. And so I suppose what I'm trying to do is give people a couple of options. But I think that the more time that you spend actually designing a hive, it just pays a little bit of respect to this idea of, you know, bees and how special they are. In the same way that we have architecture for humans, why not have architecture for bees? Yep. Yes. Yep, definitely. And these guys, like say for example this one, it only has